Well, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is the Plan Y podcast. My name is Taryn. And my name is Hannah. So, Taryn, what are we going to talk about today? Well, today we have a very special guest. This is a man who is equal parts adventurer, showman, and nut job. A man who has done everything once and the good things twice. One of the most extroverted people I've ever met. It's true, I once saw him talk the two hind legs off a donkey. A man from down under, but we won't hold that against him. A man with more stories than there are stars in the sky and more one-liners than Scarface's desk. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my good friend, Freezer Bird, a.k.a. Rich J. (laughs) What a fantastic introduction. Oh my God. Hello, thank you. Welcome, Taryn. Gee. Welcome to the show. Felt the passion behind that. <laughs> so much. You're very well. Well, you, you wrote it, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you could read my handwriting. <laughs> thank you uh, for, for, like, a couple of those things were so on point. Like, we did spend time in Mexico together. So, talking the legs off a donkey, that only happens in a place like Mexico, right? Exactly. And so, Rich, I want to try and give everyone a quick introduction to you. Um, but there's so much to cover that I'm going to have to pick a few points and then you're going to dissect them a bit for me and ex- go into ex- further explanation. So, you have been a long time traveler. You've got the name Freezer Bird. Uh, which is, I believe, actually from a YouTube channel you created um, years ago, but there might be more to that. And you had your own merch, even when we met on the cruise ship. You've worked in different countries across the world, including as a fitness trainer, as a host doing all incredible shows across the UK and different parts of Europe. You've travelled around (laughs) South America, Southeast Asia and even South Africa and have done an amazing journey from South Africa up to Germany. And now you've even taken up residence as a comedian at the Adelaide Fringe. Is there anything you haven't done this far? Um, yeah, I haven't, uh, sailed, I haven't sailed anywhere yet. That's something I think would be cool to do. I'd have to sail at least like across a strait somewhere. Um, Australia to New Zealand. Is that possible? Can you do that easily? Yeah, I reckon you could, you could do that. Yeah. I think it's quite far because it's still four hours between New Zealand and Australia. Flying. So like, it must be, it's possible. Yeah. Greta went from America to Europe, right? So New Zealand and Australia That's would true. be possible as well. Yeah, yeah, easy, really, mate. I don't know why you haven't done it yet. <laughs> you should go for it. <laughs> yeah, my, my grandparents are sailors, and it was my nana that really like got me into doing adventures, actually. She, uh, she used to do a lot of adventures, and she'd tell me about her travel stories and when she'd go places and what she'd do and see, and, and so it really inspired me. Like she went to Africa before I did, and she did uh, wow. cool, cool African things too. You know, like helicopter trips and and going to safaris <laughs> and, and all this shit. So yeah, she was an inspiration. And what was your first travel experience? Well, my dad moved to Malaysia when I was thirteen, so I'd go there okay. quite a lot. Oh, but I guess no. Like first, I we used to go to the snow. That was like what we used to do when I was nine, ten. And we'd go down and I'd go snowboarding. That was like the original OG travel stories. Did you guys go to the snow growing up? No, only once on a school trip, mm. um, which sucks. I love skiing. Um, now I try and do it as often as I can, which um, recently has been not at all. Um, because either you're stuck in warm places, like which is a real first world problem, or COVID. Yeah. It's on the top of my list. 
I actually booked three different trips in the last two years, and I haven't been able to go on any of them. No, sure. Including, most recently, with Hannah. We were going to go skate, snowboarding together. Yeah, he was going to teach me because I can't ski. Oh, yeah. well, don't, what, would you want to ski or would you prefer to snowboard? What would you do? What would you I, I actually don't know. I just tried it once, but like in a hall, and they just taught me something about like fries and pizza, and then oh, I just yeah. went down the hill. I didn't know Classic how to stop, so I just stopped by skiing against the wall. I could yeah. get some water, man. To teach me. Here's what I prepared earlier. In fact, <laughs> in fact. If you like water, then you're already like 70% oh of me. So I um, met Rich on cruise ships, and um, this is, this is, <laughs> Rich has a set group of lines, <laughs> which are hilarious the first 10 times you hear them. And after working with Rich for about five, six months, um, some of them you want to throw him overboard by the time you hear them again. I can remember them. They're still drilled in front of my brain. Yeah, or with so the older ladies. Well, at the cruise ship. We, we were on the cruise ship together, yeah, on, on the uh, on the Royal mm. Princess. And what were you doing there? Like, what was your job? We were in entertainment, Captain. so we would... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we would, like, uh, make sure that everyone was having a good time. Some of the entertainment was experiential. Some of it was in shows, like we did game shows. Some of those game shows, when you think about it, were pretty much just stand-up comedy. When you wrote The Liars Club, you know, you were writing a story yeah, that was true. intended to be funny. That was a good, good yeah. show, actually. Let me explain the premise just quickly. Three of us would be on stage and a word would come up, quite a random word, like, um, I don't know, cockananny. And, and we would each give our description of what the meaning of cockananny is. And one person was telling the truth. And everyone used, had to come down and, and guess who was the truth teller. And the way they would guess was by putting a card that they'd received upon at the beginning <laughs> into a slot in front of us and it was really quite interactive and fun it's a good game show it's a really good game show and then people used to do this thing so they go like oh and then put it in the <laughs> slot next to you like, <laughs> yeah they tease us <laughs> they <laughs> pretend like they were gonna believe us but no they're believing them <laughs> Which, and, I, and i think maybe even worse than that were the people like I'm going to give this to you. And, uh, you could, and they were like, I'm doing this because I feel sorry for you because you haven't got enough slots in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you had a particularly bad run, they're like, this. And I, like, you're like, thank you so much. Sounds like it happened quite a lot to you, Taryn. No, obviously not. I was obviously one. Um, but sometimes I had to like spread them out amongst the other contestants. <laughs> I don't think I've ever won, actually. I'm obviously just a very truthful person. That's obviously what it is. I was, I was often a high pointer, but I never won. Andrew would always beat me. Andrew, he was, it was always a bit of... <laughs> it's very psychological, because you really played a, uh, a role, like, you know, some people would actually uh, dress it up and be all, wear glasses and look innocent, wear a bow tie, you know. So suspenders. true. <laughs> Don't trust me, I got suspenders on. No one with suspenders would lie to you. <laughs> Every person from the South of America is just like, well, I believe that. <laughs> I went to the coffee shop today and I, I, um, they, she said, look, what do you want? I'm like, long black. She goes, oh, what name? And I, I, I just thought very quickly, I went, oh, Copernicus? She goes, for real? I go, yeah. 
She's like, okay, how, she writes it down and she, she shows me. She's like, is that how you spell it? I go, actually, it's, it's an O, but you've done better than everyone else. Well done. <laughs> and she goes, okay, how much is it? She goes, it's five bucks. I go, oh, I got exactly that in change. And I give it to her and she starts counting and I go, come on, you can trust a Copernicus. <laughs> and she just nods and put the change into the thing. <laughs> like, of course, Copernicus has got to know how to count. <laughs> Joke's that. on her, you only had $3. Mm. Life hack. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit more about... Um, I'd love to, there's one story I want to talk about, but we'll get to that a bit at the end. Um, tell me more about your shows that you used to do in the UK and also then traveling around, because I think these are some really fantastic experiences as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they, were, they, were, they were very fun. Uh, one of them was uh, the Guinness World Records, and it was in the lead up to the Olympics in London. And all around the country, we'd visit like shopping centers and I'd be a Guinness World Records adjudicator. So I had a gold tie and a blue suit. One hand is a stopwatch, the other one's tape measure. And I'm going around adjudicating these records that people are attempting, you know, in relation to the Olympics. And, and it was sponsored by Cadbury. So they'd just throw chocolate at it. We're giving away chocolates here, there and everywhere. I'd take boxes <laughs> of chocolates home. It's like, perks of the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I'd... <laughs> It was really funny. I'd like measure one of them. They were silly records, you know. Uh, one of them was the fastest tea making. There'd be five teas, <laughs> five mugs set up, and the tea bags are at one end and the mugs at the other. And there's a kettle, and you have to like pop the kettle, <laughs> put the tea bags in, grab the kettle, fill it up, <laughs> and it was the fastest they could do it. And it was ridiculous, but funny. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, you had to throw the tea bags. Oh, what am I saying? You had to throw them in to the mugs and then fill it up. Oh, it was brilliant. And, and one of them, <laughs> you had a t- toilet roll in your hand and uh, we'd start the stopwatch. And you had, first you had to break the seal of the toilet roll. Best way would be by putting it between your legs and breaking it. And then you had to put your fingers in between the core and unravel it as quickly as you could. And the first to unravel it, they fu- stopped the stopwatch, and the fastest in the world was the fastest toilet roll unraveler. They're getting better. Yeah, yeah, um, well, yeah. yeah. They, they have quite a dotted history. So you worked in different countries across Europe as well? That was, okay, so that is like one of those chapters in my life where when I look back, I think like about things you get up to and... and that was such a fucking great experience. Sorry, am I allowed to swear on this <laughs> podcast? Yeah, yeah that's fine. Uh, <laughs> it was called Pretadine, this event. And it was a traveling pop-up restaurant. And that sounds cool and whatever, but I mean, restaurant, hey? But what we'd do is we'd take over a location where you wouldn't normally be able to have dinner. Like in Berlin, we were in this old mint where they used to make the Deutschmark. And in London, we were in tunnels under Waterloo Station. <laughs> and in Switzerland, we were in a church and these crazy places, and they'd jam them up, with, make it the most decorative fucking stylish restaurant with art and everything. There'd be an art gallery there, always an art gallery, and a bar, and live music, and live entertainment during the dinner, and the food would be brought in. We'd invite Michelin star chefs, chefs who like already have their own restaurants that have their Michelin star awards, and they'd come and design a menu that would only be available for two weeks. And so we'd get real foodies coming along, but then people would come because it's such an experiential. It's only available for like, the longest one was two months. 
and some of them were three days. We went to do the um, the World Cup and uh, the Grand Prix. We'd always go to some sort of cool <clears throat> cultural event. But yeah, with that, I travelled with that, and I'd be the host and MC, and I'd flipping like, yeah, <laughs> entertain <laughs> people from all over the world, different social levels. I met a billionaire, made friends with a billionaire from Egypt, and then when I did the motorbike trip. I get to Egypt and I ran into a bit of trouble <laughs> with my motorbike at the border and I think I know what to do. I'll reach out to that billionaire I know. <laughs> so you bring us on to a good point. So tell me about this motorbike trip and give us a bit of information because I think this is just um, quite amazing what you did and how you got there as well. So give how, let's start off at the beginning. Uh, how did you end up in South Africa? Um, yeah, thanks, man. And uh, it's a pleasure to talk about this stuff. Um, I went there with my girlfriend and uh, we were doing tours with uh, bands. She was a tour manager. Uh, they'd take Berlin bands over to South Africa because we had a friend from South Africa who was a band manager in Berlin and bands in Berlin who wanted to travel. And so bring them back to South Africa. He would bring them back. I'd go over, I'd tour with them as their MC, but my, my girlfriend at the time, she was the main tour one. She went on all the tours. I only went on a couple with them and I treated it as a holiday. That was fucking awesome, man, touring across the country with these bands. And then, so we decided to do a big trip, her and I, that would go for one year at least, but maybe two. But we had some troubles and three months in, we broke up in Mozambique. Oh. And, uh, and then sort of split from there, which I must say, okay, not a nice thing to say maybe, but if you're going to break up, <laughs> it's so much easier to do it while traveling than if you live together. <laughs> I mean, fair point. You won't see that person again for a while. Babe, let's go on holiday. <laughs> Um, life hack. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so anyway, we, we, we split in Mozambique, but we continued traveling our separate ways, but end up at uh, Burning Africa Burn, the Burning Man in South Africa. And <laughs> I knew where she was planning on camping. She was going to camp down in this place called Far Far Away Land, which was cool with me because I was like right near the center. <laughs> and so I think, great, that's good. She goes down there. The, there's music playing 24 hours there, so she can't handle that. So she moves, and the place that she moves oh. in the whole of Africa burn, 12,000 people, the campsite, she's, I don't know, 25 metres away from me? <laughs> right, right over there. I can see the car that we bought together when I wake up and come oh. out of my tent in the morning. <laughs> but she got to keep. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll just say that. She got to keep the car. That was a <laughs> gentleman's agreement, let's say. <laughs> she was such a gentleman. She was just so kind with me. No. Hey, she was German. She was a, oh. a real Berliner. I still can't pronounce <laughs> it right. They speak a bit of German as well. Oh, I'm Bissen. Yeah. <laughs> really shit German. No. Ich kann kein Deutsch. My Deutsch is nicht so good. Well, you don't need to speak German to be fair when you live in Berlin. 
I know, right? Yeah. What a, what a double-edged sword, you know? You, you go live in a country abroad and you want to learn their language, but everyone can speak your language, so there's no need to learn their language. <laughs> what, a, yeah, what a shame. <laughs> I wish I put more effort in, to be honest. That's a lesson to you. If you do go live in another country, put the effort in to learn the language, immerse yourself in it. But yeah, so we, we're in Africa, we're in South Africa at this time. And then af- right after the burn, I start looking for a motorbike. And uh, I, I get this motorbike kitted out, a Yamaha XT660. It's a dual purpose, on-road, off-road. Um, quite a big one, you know, six, 650 class. So that's middle of the range in the case of you know, size of bikes, I guess. Well, you can get a 1200, that's a big bad boy. But I didn't want to get that. Well, the beautiful thing about my bike, I was going to say, is that I could take it off-road. You know, I had the, uh, the saddlebags and I had the, the, the things that I built, they're called pannier racks. So the panniers are the bags, the racks that you have to get built onto the bike so that the panniers can sit on. I had a gap in between the in, inside and the bag where a petrol tank would go. So I had two petrol tanks on the back, both five and a half litres, so 11 litres there, 15 in the tank. I'd have the bags on the side and the top box on the back. And on the seat behind me, I had my sleeping bag, um, tent and a a floor mat. And they were wrapped up in the bike wrap that was, you know, I'd put the bike wrap over the bike if I left it in public. It's a big gray one. And that is also, if you are gonna do a motorbike trip, you might be able to comment on this, Taryn, a useful thing to have this sort of bike cover because people don't aren't interested or that or they, they don't look under the bike cover you know so they don't even think of it as a bike that's steel worthy or i mean people probably still steal it if you left it yeah. somewhere yeah. stupid overnight but it's a bit of protection is all i'm trying to say yeah, yeah. Def- yeah every little helps yeah like a condom it's just like 95 percent 95 percent for condoms 98 percent for the pill but um, <laughs> socks and sandals, 100%. Kid, uh. <laughs> I like the comparison. <laughs> so where did you get this bike? How did you get a bike in South Africa? I bought it off a guy called, um, what was it? Um, oh, geez, oh, I want to remember. It was like Roger Rogerson or something like this. <laughs> he seriously had a double name. Like Mark mm. Markinson or, or something. Oh, I can't remember, but it was, it was a funny... Double name, and uh, he was a sweet guy. Um, just bought it off him, and I, I got such a good deal with it. I bought, I just found it private on Gumtree or whatever, their version. And I had him meet me at the Yamaha dealership. And the guy at the dealership basically pulled me aside and said, "If you don't buy this bike, we'll buy it." And that just, you know, <laughs> gave me the competition <laughs> aspect. I'm like, "All right, fuck, I'm going in." And I got it with twenty thousand on the clock. Um, so, you know, it was in good nick and it was the perfect bike to take uh, across Africa. And so I rode it through 14 African countries, six wow, European wow. countries, and, um, yeah, spent eight months. Well, actually the whole trip, like, was a bit, a bit, about a year, a bit over a year because I started and then crossed South Africa and then in Johannesburg, I got hit by another motorbike and broke my oh, arm. Good. Yeah. So I couldn't uh, ride, obviously, and uh, and then how long? and then like with this broken arm, I left the bike with some Christians. That's a whole bloody story. <laughs> the Christians took me in, and uh, and they housed my bike while I went back to Mozambique to heal, to let my arm get better, 
and I went and stayed with the same guy, the same friend that I was staying with when I broke up with my girlfriend. I went with a broken arm to the same bedroom where I, four months earlier or whatever, had broken up with my girlfriend. So it's, oh, it's tragic. Incredible. Incredible. And where was your favourite country, country through South, South Africa? Uh, through Africa? That's a really challenging question to answer. You should well, where's your least favourite then? Least favourite. Oh, see, that is also challenging because it's like <laughs> it's almost like the least favourite becomes the favourite because it was so, it was such a, a, a like a mind fuck that that's what you remember the most. You know, that makes sense. sense. That makes sense. I sort of say to people, and where's that? that? Oh, that's Ethiopia. <laughs> or is there not someone? That's Ethiopia, man. For sure. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that place is. Uh, <laughs> How come? Okay. So, <laughs> I'll tell you about crossing from Kenya to Ethiopia. I go in through the Kenyan border, and then I go through the Kenyan customs, and that's in a big building, almost like a, a, a mansion in a third world country. You sort of know them, they're they're two stories and they're built of tile and they've got a bit of that that sort of Eastern architecture. They're all like glam looking mansions in in Africa. But anyway, it's a big place. You go through, it's not air conditioned, but there's fans. It's quite organized. And then you leave there and I get on my bike and I ride over and there's like a hut. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Like, it's it's on a lean, this thing. It is a wonky building that was one structure that's had a bunch of things built around it. And there's a bunch of guys, like, sitting, like, playing poker or something on plastic chairs. You know, sort of... Honestly, and there's no one else around. No, it doesn't seem like anyone's going in there. But they were at the Kenyan border. Like, why is it just me here? Rocking up on my bike, a couple of guys out the front with lanyards and I go all right where's immigration they go this is immigration give us your passport (laughs) and I'm like um (laughs) I'm like um no (laughs) no what this isn't immigration they're like yeah this is immigration one of them's got a gun a big AK and I'm like, what do you mean? And, and they go, here's our lanyard, you know, <laughs> trust us, give us your passport. And I'm like, I literally said, anyone could make that lanyard. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> no. And I, I go, I'll show you my passport. And I pull it out and I show him. He's like, no, you have to give it to us. I'm like, no, point me in the way. And they're like, this is, come on, man. And I'm like, I'm going, I'm going. And they're like, no, you can't go. And the guy runs with a stick to try and put it in my wheel to stop me from going. And the AK guy's like getting, you know, stepping up. And I'm like, guys, I'm not giving you my passport. This is a shack. What the fuck? This can't be immigration. And so I ride up, (laughs) up the mound, back onto the main road and go back to Kenya. Because I don't want to go forward because then they'll fuck me up. So I go back to the border at Kenya and I go to the guy at the, where I met when I first came through and I say, hey man, look, I'm, t- I'm just a bit confused. Where's the Ethiopian immigration? And he points to where I just came from. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, are you serious? He's like, yeah, that's immigration, bro. And I'm like, oh my God. 
And so I ride back with my tail between my legs. And I get there and they're like, yeah, leave your bike here and go with that guy. And so I go with that guy and this old guy that they've just picked. Just some random guy who's there. Like they're going to flick him some cash or something. I don't know what. But he just takes me to, the, to this, around the side, into this side street, to a door that's got a big lock and chain. And he goes, to, the, to shake at the door to get the people out to unlock the thing. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, it's closed. <laughs> go, when does it open? And now here's where it gets really confusing in Ethiopia. He says, 7 p.m. Right. I go, what? It's midday. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> 7 p.m. It's, it's midday on a Sunday. Why? What? And it turns out, after, after, after debating with this guy for a short time, it turns out Ethiopian's time is six hours different to us. They start their day at sunrise instead of midnight. And so it goes zero, one, one a.m. is six a.m. And so when he says 7 p.m., he means 1 p.m. One hour oh. from 12. What the? Oh, they just have a different time. That. Didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, you, no one tells you. No one tells you. <laughs> <laughs> every, well, that's every maybe sick because traveler. you should do a little bit of research before going Amazing. into a foreign no. country. <laughs> No, no, no. You look at all the blogs. They don't even mention it on the blogs because they want you all to have the same experience. I shouldn't be mentioning this now, actually. <laughs> I might have to delete That's this bit. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, so you must have had lots of amazing experiences as well, like ones where it didn't all go slightly so chaotic. Yeah, I mean, that's just a, a taste. That's just, that's just a little tickle of what the chaos ensued. I, I literally, honestly, fucking, I can't even tell you. <laughs> I, the bank ripped me off. 30,000 burr is their currency. It would have been about 2,300 euro. They just fucking took it out and never gave it to me. <laughs> never put it in my account. Like, did the, did the, at their bank, when I used their ATM, they did the deduction but then didn't give it to me. <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck? And so I had to wait to process money getting back to me from the bank, from the national bank. And they're also on a different date to us. Ethiopia is in, at, in they must be 2013 now, 2014 maybe. Right. When I was there, it's 2009. And that was 2017. Sorry, I didn't make that clear. A couple of years, yeah, they're just on, they're like 10 or 11 years off. And they believe they've got it right. <laughs> the rest of the world is wrong. <laughs> Incredible. Serious. It's, it's a, wow, it's a real interesting Is country. there a reason for that? That yeah, they have like yeah, 11 it's, years off? It's religious. Um, they, they have a different belief in the beginning of, of time. They, I think they use a different calendar, not the Gregorian calendar. But they also, That's I mean, they, they believe, they claim to have Noah's Ark. They, they have it, but oh really? But no one's allowed to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one of them. Classic. Of, I, I'm, I'm surprised South Park haven't done an episode on that. Actually, that would be right. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so good. So where 
Um, where were the most beautiful places you've been to? If like you were going to recommend, like you need to see these countries in particular, where would you say for that? I mean, honestly, for starters, South Africa, man. South Africa is gorgeous. And I hate to be that guy who just says like, yeah, the, the one place where it's fucking a little bit more <laughs> developed. But it is. It's such a stunning country with an amazing coastline. And then also, you know, in, in, a, in the place in the mountains is brilliant. Um, but then Mozambique was just such a fucking delight. I spent uh, f- probably like four months in total in Mozambique. Namibia. Namibia is a great uh, country and a lot of Germans go to Namibia. Oh, really? It was colonized by Germany. Oh. In, yeah. When they did the old, I think it was the Berlin um, Clause or something, the Berlin Agreement, where all the uh, major developed countries got together and divided up Africa and decided what country and who would have what country. And they did it all in, a, in Berlin. <laughs> so a nice country. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 true story. Yeah, Belgium got, you know, the DRC and other places. Italy got places, France got places, Portugal got places, and uh, Namibia was German, German colonized. And it's a beautiful country. I went to a ghost town there. Ghost town? Yeah, oh, it was like a ghost town. <laughs> have you been to I one? I love ghost no, but I just recently saw a video of a ghost town as well in Turkey. I think I sent it to you, Taryn, where there are like all castles that look like the Disney castle, similar to it, and it's totally empty. Cool. And I definitely want to go there because I feel like it's nice. Cool. I'd love to go to an actual ghost town. I've been to like deserted mansions and stuff like that in Cambodia, and you go to places, the abandoned water park in Vietnam. But like, I'd love to go to an actual town. Um, well, I think that sounds like the coolest thing. I feel like it's kind of creepy too, right? Oh, for sure. In there. A little eerie. You, you, you can see this one on my Instagram. This one was um, a diamond mining town. So there were diamond oh, wow. mines nearby. And so they were quite affluent for the time. They had the one of the country's first ice maker that they brought over from Germany, you know, was, uh, and, and like a little train track that would go through the town. And it was only a small little like homestead town, but they had all the businesses. And anyway, the sand came in and just pff, sandstorms blew everyone out. Oh, filled every building. I, I think I have. I think I've seen this. I think I've seen this on Instagram. I don't know if I've seen it on your Instagram, but I've definitely seen it on Instagram. It looks so it's like all these buildings and it's like sand halfway through the rooms. Yeah, and stuff. exactly. Yeah. 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 No, I'd love to go. I, to be honest, I've never done um, Africa at all as a nation. There's so many parts I want to do. I actually think your trip's quite inspiring. I think the one thing that holds people back from Africa as well is that it's just got a reputation for being dangerous in the same way that South America has a reputation for being dangerous. Um, but I think with Africa, there's more, um, well, um, decades and decades of forced corruption, um, um, which has been brought on through basic, like you said, being countries being cut up um, and there just being so much poverty within the region um, and concentrated wealth in these small gangs, essentially, and in governments who don't have the ability to t- run countries. Did you find it was dangerous whilst you're there? Or is it like where people say, like, don't go to South America because you're going to die and get kidnapped? Um, and it's all much hype. Well, you make some good points there. You know, a lot of the things you say is true about the countries in Africa. They are very corrupt and uh, some of them more than others. Like uh, Zimbabwe, you get pulled <clears throat> over by the police every bloody 20 kilometres, honestly. And they're just like, unless 
I, I was lucky in that they were impressed by what I was doing and oh, 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 I gotta tell you, uh, dealing with the police in Africa, just quickly, little travel hack right here. You, what I did is when I was in Cape Town, where I started the journey, I went to the police station and I photocopied my passport and my driver's license and had it stamped, notarized by the police and then I photocopied that 10 times. So I had this identification on paper. And then one of them, I laminated. And so I had a laminated photocopy that had been stamped by the police of Cape Town. <clears throat> and that's all I took with me. And, oh, I mean, I had my, obviously, I had all my other documents. But when I would get pulled over by the police, I'd pull this laminated piece of paper out and just give that to them. Because what they do is they hold on to your ID until you pay your bribe. But with that, oh, right. yeah, yeah, standard operation for a corrupt cop. Take, take something of value and then hold on to it until you fucking pay up. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with that, they can fucking have, they can have that. Take it. I don't, I don't, I've got, I've got yeah. nine more packed in my bag, you know, ready to go. <laughs> and did you get through all ten? No, no, that was the beauty. I had the laminate one the entire time. It always worked. They were always impressed and they were shocked by this. First, this was like a state break for them, you know, like NLP style. It shook them up. They weren't expecting it. What the fuck is this? You know, and then I'm like, oh, I'm doing a trip, <laughs> I'm doing a trip to Germany, you know, and that, oh, 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 this is another little <laughs> super, like, super lucky life hack. I was in uh, the Drakensberg in South Africa met this cool as Dutch guy. This is also at the beginning of my trip. And he's like super style, handsome guy. And I, and I go, I go, what do you do for work? And he says, oh, you got three guesses. I go, oh, okay. Uh, fashion designer? No. And I'm like, model? He's like, no. I'm like, I don't know, actor? He's like, no. He says, he's a, he's a homicide detective. So cool. Right? Wow. Oh, great <laughs> job. <laughs> yeah, he was, I hope he, he doesn't mind me saying this, he was a, a beat cop. He was a cop, okay. like a normal cop. But he, he did a bust and he got, and he shot someone. And so wow. he, oh, yeah, and so he asked, he requested to be transferred to homicide because it's less in the field, it's more doing detective work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and no, and no one knows homicide like people who've already shot. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's, if like, that's interesting, though. Yeah, yeah. So um, he, uh, okay. So this is where I was getting to. I'll get to my point. Uh, just the day I was leaving, he comes to say goodbye, and he gives me his police badge. Oh, that is no so way. Cool. Dead set. Dead set. And so I had this Dutch police badge that I'd pinned to my motorbike jacket that was always on me when I was riding my bike. That must be very hot. Oh yeah, you've got to get a real breathy jacket. I had a Kevlar thing that I could take an inner, an, an, an inner zip out, you know, and it turned into a bit more breezy. It was more perforated. You've got to get a good jacket, for sure. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Good pants and good boots. And yeah. There's an acronym with motorcycling. You know this, Taryn. ATGAT. ATGAT. All the gear, all the time. That makes, that makes sense. sense. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. sense. ATGAT. Yeah, so yeah, man. Um, uh, where was I? <laughs> we were uh, talking we were about the ghost, about... ghost town. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and then I gave you a couple of life hacks, the, the travel documents, <laughs> get, them, get them photocopied and stamped by the police. Oh, countries love stamps. Oh, they lose it. They, they foam at the gams when they see a stamp. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And how did you find traveling through Europe on a motorbike? It must be quite different. Where was the point where you were like, I've left African culture to more European culture? Because there must be quite a direct cutoff. It's such a good question, and I have a clear answer because I've laughed about this myself. When I left Berlin, it was, the, it was the end of 2015. The tap pay on your card, pay, you know, contactless pay, wasn't a thing. You couldn't tap your card anywhere. <laughs> I traveled for Africa okay. until August 2017. I came into Europe. And all of a sudden, I can fucking tap and go, tap and go. <laughs> and I'm in Italy, man. And oh, I ate so much in Italy because, for one, best food in the world. And for second, I didn't even have to think about paying. In Africa, you had to go to the ATM, draw out cash and carry cash with you everywhere you went. You couldn't even swipe. You couldn't, from, from like South Africa onwards, <laughs> you can't swipe your card even. Everywhere you go has to be cash. Hotels, backpackers, wherever you go, cash. Did that make you a bit of a target then, carrying around quite a lot of cash on you? Oh, probably. I, I, yeah, good. Okay, that, you did ask that question about feeling threatened, feeling in danger. Um, I, I, I think... Honestly, if you if you're smart and you're and you're present and you pay attention and you have a, it's just a little bit of trust because I think trust takes courage, then I think you can be okay in these countries. It's only if you project some sort of fragility or naivety or something like that do you really attract some uh, negative yeah, attention from people. I th I, that's what I choose to believe. Now listen, I can say that quite easily. I'm a, I'm a traveling white male, okay? I, I give out my understanding and, and empathy to females, women who travel. Um, you know, it's, it's harder for sure. And you can't go as many places as an individual independently. But um, I have heard of women who are fierce. Joe Rust rode a motorbike around the whole she circumnavigated Africa she went to every you know coastal country amazing um, uh, Claire de Pacole Claire de Pacole was the first uh, person the first woman I think to go to every single country on the planet um, she's a great one to follow on Instagram her posts are, are awesome so yeah man but yeah uh, I, I, I wasn't so endangered I, I, I wouldn't say I, I, got, I did have a gun pulled in my face I've probably told you about that eh Taryn you told me about that before, what? yes. That's true. How did <laughs> that did. happen? That was a silly fucking traffic disagreement, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Where? In Uganda. In Uganda. And I was on the... There's one road into the capital city from Kenya. Just the one. And it gets so busy. It's Friday afternoon and it's bumper to bumper. And I'm behind a Porsche and a, one of those Porsche KNs, a big one, the, the SUV Porsches. 
and I'm, I see a gap in the, in the, because it's two lanes. It's literally like coming and going. There's no double lane. It's crazy. Africa's crazy. And the road is warped. The road is warped under the heat and the weight of the trucks. And the, there's, a, there's like a 10 centimeter mound between the lanes. And so if you do want to change lanes, I'm on a motorbike, keep in mind, you have to kind of go up this little hump, like a speed bump, but a big one. It's fucking mental. <laughs> So anyway, I'm behind this Porsche, I see a gap, I'm like, I'm going to overtake and get ahead, and I go, and he does it at the same time, and he almost runs me off the road. And on the side of the road, there are people walking. I almost hit people. <laughs> it's crazy. And so I swing back in, luckily I, I didn't cause any damage or hurt myself. Come back on the road, I catch up to him, I overtake him, I stop in front of him, <laughs> put my bike on its stand, walk around to his window, knock on it, wind down, and I go, you almost killed me back there. And he pulls a gun from his middle console, points it at me and says, almost. Oh my God. <laughs> He's been preparing for this moment for years, <laughs> waiting for some... <laughs> Perfect response. <laughs> Couldn't believe That's it. That's crazy. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hands up straight away. You know, fuck, what do you do when you got a gun pulled on you? And uh, and then he, he's, he's it was super random. He's like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Australia. He said, would you, would you drive like that in your own country? I'm like, mate, we don't have traffic like this in my country. <laughs> and he, he goes, you should go to Canada. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's totally left field. I think what happened was he like he want he's, he knows someone from Canada and he wanted to sort of say. <laughs> you know, I know something about Canada, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you will listen to me because I got a gun on you. And uh which, which is a fair point to make, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, the way I got out of that was we, we talked, we had this weird interaction, but, you know, he was, I could tell he wasn't going to shoot me. It was just a threat. And then finally this sort of other guy, local guy who was walking by, he comes over to see what's going on. And this distracts him and he turns and he goes, you can fuck off. And I'm like, pew, pew. <laughs> I shot out of there as quick as I could. Back to my bike. Didn't look back. Just like had to get on and ride away. Yeah, Gun behind me. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, it's a pretty safe, you know, pretty safe journey. <laughs> See, this is it. Everyone wants to know about the challenges. No one wants to know about the good parts. Now, yeah, incredible, like seeing the, the animals um, in the safaris in, in Kenya, going to the Maasai tribes. Um, I did like uh, Oruby Gorge swing. I went uh, sky, not skydiving, um, bungee jumping at the Victoria Falls. And Victoria Falls itself is fucking incredible. Hikes and beaches and lakes and yeah, diving. You know, everything you'd want to do on a trip. The only thing I didn't do, uh, the silverback gorillas, the only thing I didn't do was Kili, Kilimanjaro. That would have been cool. That's fair. I mean, that's fair enough, though. I think you could be probably let off for that. <laughs> In the grand scale of things. 
going to the going to the riding a camel you know at the pyramids in Sudan and then the pyramids of Giza you know it's like you do all this shit because it's that's what you're there for yeah no, that sounds amazing and how do you like the food there it varied in countries in Sudan I, I pretty much only ate a falafel <laughs> I was on a falafel <laughs> diet because everything else was pretty gross <laughs> but <laughs> Some places were nice. I had a fixer in Sudan, a guy who like helps you out. And, uh, but I didn't stay long in Sudan. I don't know why, no, no reflection on the country itself. I was just in a rush, or not a rush, but I was just like ready to keep going. And Egypt has, I knew I was gonna spend some time in Egypt. Egypt's really high on the list of my bucket list. Yeah, moment, mine too. And it's a good place to go. So the, the pound is low and um, they're in quite political rest at the moment and uh, accommodation's cheap there. You can have a good time. That's fair. So where's next then? Oh, mate. New Zealand. Because New Zealand will be the only place we can travel to. That's true. That's very true. New Zealand's amazing, though. And you'd love New Zealand. Have you never been there? No. I've never been. No, but I have family over there that I want to visit. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. Have you been to Tonga and... then? Because I think you can also go there. To the islands, sure. I have not been to the islands, like the Pacific Islands like Tonga or Samoa or Fiji or Papua New Guinea. I've been to, you know, um, Indonesia and then uh, Southeast Asia. But um, yeah, never the islands. My parents went to the islands without us. <laughs> 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 when we were in high school too, which is so rude. That's like not when you go on holidays without your kids. Well, I think you can even dive with whale sharks in Tonga. So that's oh, very nice. high on this as well. I did that in Mozambique. You can dive with whale oh, sharks nice. um, off the coast of Mozambique. I went to this amazing place in Mozambique. That's why I stayed so long. I, this is where I stayed for three months with my broken arm um, in a place called Tofu. Uh, it's actually T-O-F-O, -O, but they pronounce it to okay. Tofu, Tofu. And uh, <laughs> it's a fucking magical place. One of those spots like, you know, you, there's just a few spots on the planet where you would go to repeatedly. That's one of them for me. And the other one I can't tell you, it's a big secret. We're not allowed to tell anyone. <laughs> We've all agreed, the people that go there. I won't ask. So what we'll do, we'll come to an end now. Oh, but you're not gonna hear my to story to about when I, uh, when I got sent by the billionaire where to go in uh, Egypt. Oh, you're not gonna hear the story about when I got chased by an elephant in Botswana. <laughs> oh, mate. We come back to that. Maybe I'll have to <laughs> write a book and uh, get it you out You should. Well, what you should actually do is maybe, because I remember that there was a guy in Germany who gave speeches or something like that uh, to oh, a massive yeah. audience that he has like this massive gap of six years in his CV and people went there and listened to him and he was just basically traveling the whole time. Maybe you should could do something similar or do a YouTube channel and talk about your travels, write a book or something like that. I mean, everything you that did you can one... do online, basically. Yeah, pick a medium, right? You did one for a while, didn't you? Oh yeah, you did I, did. A YouTube. I, did a, I did a vlog, yeah, that was, um, that was a bit of fun. But I, I, what happened with that though, is I did it in Africa, so for one, I had trouble accessing Wi-Fi on the regular. And then um, my laptop in Namibia, in the first country I visited, I hit a sand, a sand pit at five kilometers per hour and my computer, I just went, my motorbike just went straight down and I landed on my fucking laptop and smashed the screen. Oh. And then it only got worse the further I traveled. So. 
That sucks. That's very annoying. Yeah, I couldn't do the vlogs for very long after that. Definitely does make it a lot harder, to be fair. And I suppose, well, did you get, you kept your photos, you got photos and stuff and videos, I'm sure, but it's not quite the same. I still have a bunch of raw footage that I could eventually edit together. It's about the time, isn't it? Maybe I should, yeah. You should. Yeah, maybe yeah, should. You should. One of my big things I'm really going to take on, I actually got it when we were on a cruise ship, um, was a 360 camera and I finally taught myself how to use it properly. And so one of my new big things is going to be taking 360 videos everywhere because I think if someone can put on a pair of like a VR headset and actually feel like they're there with you, I think that's going to be the coolest thing to follow someone around. That would be so nice. Yeah. And I just think it adds like an extra, well, an extra dimension to it. So, so with the VR, do, can you just film anything with a 3D camera and then it's visible in VR using that? Yeah, yeah. and you can change it to be um, just a regular video as well. So it gives you the option to do both. Cool. I like that. Mm. Definitely something to look into. Hmm. I'm going to leave you with one last question today yep. um, before we have to go. And what would be your advice to other people who want to go traveling who haven't started yet or are thinking about traveling again? Um, well, you know, it's a funny subject at the moment because with COVID, you're probably going to have to get the vaccine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about having a vaccine passport. Yeah, I mean, it'll come back. It'll bounce back, travel. So just get out there. Maybe start by going to countries that have more well-traveled paths like thailand is a great one it's have been it's had tourism mm. since the 60s so like you know it's quite well developed in in regards to tourism whereas uh, uh myanmar is is not <laughs> at all really difficult to <laughs> travel in actually because they only opened their borders in 2015 didn't they and then now they're going to be closed again yeah aren't they? Surely. <laughs> right sure the gentleman we had on last week had also been to myanmar and he said it was one of his favorite countries. It is his favorite country, yeah. Did he, did, did he hear about amazing. how they have one of the world's worst meth production problems? No, he didn't mention that. No, yeah. funnily yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like made over there and, and then put into pills and, uh, and then Buddhists <laughs> get a bit, get a bit, uh, get a bit anti-Buddhisty, I guess. And they go around transporting it. No way. Yeah, a few of them have been caught with like 40,000 of these pills and shit like this. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy, eh? That's amazing. Because Buddhism is the biggest religion there and they're quite devout and they're big meditators. Maybe it helps their meditation. <laughs> <laughs> what hell of a come down. He hasn't said anything for years. <laughs> yeah, plus sitting in Lotus for that long. Shit. <laughs> but other than that, Myanmar's a nice place? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Sorry, every, every country is beautiful in its own right. But um, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to travel to. So I'd recommend going somewhere else if you're just getting into it. Go to Europe. Oh, so love Europe. Why don't many English people go to Europe? When you go to Ibiza, Amsterdam. Well, they go to Amsterdam, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do go to Amsterdam. Um, but I think because it's on your doorstep, that's the reason I haven't. I do know lots of people who do. I think lots of people use it as their first trip. I think if you don't do the Australia or Thailand route, I think it's the next alternative. Because I know a few people have backpacked around Europe. I think European uh, teenagers are going to start getting free trains, aren't they, across Europe? Yeah. I don't know if they introduced it in the end. Don't, don't they give you free bus tickets? They're giving you free tickets. Oh, if free you're, tickets. Like, so oh. that's, the, the European Union was saying they were going to introduce it to encourage travel around Europe. Oh. 
fair. I just know I don't know if they did it in the end. Bit bit too soon, if you ask me. <laughs> I wouldn't be traveling across Europe right now. Oh, it'd be amazing. Do you think it? But, do you think there are people out there? I'd love to hear from people if there are people out there traveling they and are. you're just doing it with a mask on and doing it your own way. Is that happening? Because Australia, it, must be. like, it is happening. I see that on Instagram that a lot of people are still not a lot of people, but a few are still traveling. There are people in Costa Rica, Mexico. Um, they are traveling around the US. Even so, in Europe, like I'm not sure about right now, but like when we were already in a lockdown last year, I saw a few people still traveling around Europe. That and I'm think how Europe. amazing it would be. Like everywhere you go, did you see about the bloke who went to Machu Picchu and he was the only one there? No way. They opened Machu Picchu for one day for this Japanese tourist who waited seven months to go. And it was just him wandering around the whole site by that himself. Amazing. I think that Imagine! That is oh, incredible. Wow. I bet it was still cloudy though. <laughs> it was so Yeah, I guess maybe that's a life hack right there, getting out and traveling now. Shit, maybe it is. Yeah, yeah I mean, all, sure. all the places that you'd go to, like Venice and that has the cleanest water ever. India has the less pollution ever. Although India does have 100,000 new COVID cases every day, so. And that's the reported ones as well. Yeah, right. I imagine it must be really hard to like track COVID in somewhere like India. It's, they can't track COVID in the UK. Yeah, 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 totally. There was actually a guy, it is not about COVID, but I saw on a TikTok video where he got, just a random guy, got interviewed by also two people who were doing a podcast, and he told them he's always watching out if there was, like, a shooting or something like that, or something exploded in a country or something like that, and then he would went there. So, for example, 9-11, he would went to New York because he said that the hotel prices are cheaper after something like that. And I was like... Wow, that's dark. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, tsunami in Southeast Asia. I put my flights. (laughs) Christ. He said he was literally one of... The only people on the bus, I think, somewhere around Fukushima by that time. And now I've got a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> More price today. Cheap travel. So, gonna leave it here. Do you have any final words or any final advice or stories, Rich? Yes, I do, Taryn. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for asking. <laughs> you're, you're so welcome. I, well, you asked me earlier, how was Africa in regards to it being dangerous? I had uh, one sort of response to dangerous situations. And it's a bit cheesy. That's why I left it to the end of the podcast. If you're sensitive to cheesy <laughs> shit, then you can just switch off now. <laughs> and follow <laughs> You can go now and you can follow me at Freezerbird on, on the, you know, all the things. Or, what was I going to say? <laughs> yes, I just remembered. The most important thing ever. Give love. That was my response to any situation where I felt in danger. I would just imagine opening my heart and giving love to... The people, the one time it was swimming in Lake Malawi and it was opaque water and I just didn't know what was underneath me. And it's fucking scary, man. And I just, like my heart would have been racing, but I just gave love. Love down, out, love, emanate love. And I did it in many, many different ways when I, you know, and uh, yeah, it always helped. Always helped. That's actually a good advice. Always treat people with kindness. 
considerations as well. Yeah, especially with people. No, no. Always give love to people. I just read a book where the, the advice was to give love unconditionally. <clears throat> and that's fucking a crazy concept to just give it to anyone unconditionally. But I guess you could. I guess you could if you practice. Anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> sorry, I've got something stuck in my throat. Um, it's definitely a... <laughs> Giving you love, sorry. Giving you love, a little bit of love. Yeah, it's, it's, I've, like, got love I've got love stuff yeah. in my throat. <laughs> That's a different thing, you bro. Ruined <laughs> That's nice right. ending, um, Karen. Yeah. You ruined the nice ending of this episode. <laughs> it's a beautiful. It's. I mean, it's a beautiful message for sure. And I think there's definitely words. I was always taught as a kid the best way to get what you want is to be by being kind. Yeah. Um, and treat so it's the same, the way you want to a be similar treated. sort of thing. Yeah. I think it's definitely, like you said, harder in real life than it is in theory because some people are dickheads. Um, but I think there's definitely a message to be shared that the world would be a much better place and 100%. it's a much nicer place if everyone does, just like you said, just give love. Yeah. So I like that. I think it's a, yeah, it's a really nice way to end the message. Very cheesy, but um, very on brand rich. Um, but I like it. Um, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for joining us. If people want to follow your journey, Rich, how can they follow you? Well, I mentioned it before, at Freezerbird. We were linked and to a account. how do you spell Freezerbird? Oh, yeah, 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 good because... point. <laughs> freezer <laughs> as in a fridge freezer, and then bird as in a flying bird. Um, it's, it's, uh, people, people would have figured it out by now. There's people out there going, Freezerbird. Ah, I get it. But for the rest of you who are taking too long, it's because I'm free as a bird. Freezerbird. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Rich J, thank you so much for joining the show today. It's been an experience. Thanks we'll have to get you back on at some point. Yeah, um, thank you for being a part of this and thank you for spreading your messages. That is it from us today. This is the Plan Wide podcast. My name is Taryn. And my name is Hannah. And I've been Rich, Rich. J, bitch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Amazing. And we'll see you next time. We love um, you.